0: Does Mitt Romney's win in the Michigan primary clarify the Republican presidential race or leave it wide open? We'll discuss what's next. Also, there's a new movie coming out about the role of faith in politics. We'll talk with a producer. And how does a truth seeker navigate the many faiths to find the truth? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev... Tear down this wall. It's one
2: small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941.
0: A date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what
2: the meaning of the word is
3: is.
0: president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
4: They say they're the candidates of change. And as a matter of fact, Barack Obama had a big sign behind him the other day. I saw he was speaking somewhere. Huge sign. The whole wall said, change. And someone joked to me, he said, that's what you're going to have left in your pocket if he's president.
5: Okay, that's Mitt Romney, and he is celebrating his victory in Michigan last night. He won the Republican primary, really by a margin of about 10 points, a very convincing victory. Many of you want to sound off. You know that Mitt Romney is a Mormon. Do you support him in spite of that? Do you support Mike Huckabee, the former Baptist minister and governor? Do you support John McCain, Fred Thompson, or Giuliani? We're going to take your calls in this segment 800-881-9270. Call us at 800-881-9270. Maybe you support
6: Hillary or Obama or Edwards. You call right now. One columnist, Dr. Johnson, today in the New York Post said there's a common bond between all the GOP candidates. They're all losers, (laughs) with Rudy Giuliani doing the best in that endeavor right now. Now, Mike Huckabee, this columnist says, got the ball in Iowa and dropped it. Then McCain got it in New Hampshire and fumbled it. Now Mitt Romney has it. So the question is, is he destined to drop it on Saturday in South Carolina? We are going to discuss presidential politics, and we are taking your calls. We're also going to talk about the question, what is the role of Christian of religion in politics? Is there a proper role for religion? There's a new film coming out that describes that role. It's been screened. Uh, it is being screened tomorrow night in Dallas. And we're going to talk with one of the producers later in the program. Also, speaking of faith, we'll interview a pastor and author who has pulled together in a book the pros and cons of all the major religions. We'll ask Mel Lorenz, can there be only one way to God? All that uh, will fit it in with a shoehorn. And we're
5: also going to talk
6: uh, with him about atheism,
5: Buddhism, earth religions, Hinduism, Islam. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be a fascinating segment coming up at the half hour. But... There was a fight in Michigan last night. Okay, that's the Michigan fight song. You won't hear that again, I promise. But here's the score from the Republican primary last night. Romney at 38. McCain at 29, Huckabee at 16, Ron Paul at 6, Thompson at 3, Giuliani at 2. And so Mitt Romney wins in his home state. That's where he grew up. His father used to be a leader in that state. The Romney family, well-known. He won by over 10 points, huge margin of victory. He really had to win last night, Pena, to um, be a realistic candidate, and he did it. So you have now Huckabee winning a race, you have McCain winning a race in New Hampshire, and you've got Romney winning Wyoming, which was small. Many people ignored it, but now a major state, Michigan. And uh, here's more from Romney on that victory and his run.
4: The beginning of a comeback, a comeback for America.
5: Okay, a comeback because Romney was ahead in Iowa at one point, ahead in New Hampshire at one point, and lost both of those states. And so this is a comeback. Here he is again on why Michigan voters gave him the victory.
3: You said we would fight for every job.
4: You said that we would fight to get health care for all Americans. You said we'd fight to secure our border. You said you'd fight for us to be able to get lower taxes for middle-income Americans. And Michigan heard and Michigan voted tonight. Congratulations,
5: Okay, so we want to know what you think. You know that Mr. Romney is a Mormon. You've got Mike Huckabee, who is a former Southern Baptist pastor and governor of Arkansas. You've got John McCain and and Fred Thompson and Giuliani. We're asking you to call in. We've got callers now, 800-881-9270. Call, tell us what you think. We've got Carrie on the line from Fort Worth. Carrie, who are you supporting and why?
2: I'm going to only support Mike Huckabee because he is a born-again Christian, and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, we're told in the Bible that if anyone comes preaching a gospel other than that which I have proclaimed, let him be accursed. And so I don't want to vote for somebody that's already cursed by God because Mitt Romney is preaching a gospel other than what is in the Word of God.
5: Well, thanks, Carrie. You know, I have a friend who has the exact same view, and you're quoting from Galatians. Now, here's my question for you, uh, you know, um, actually, Mitt Romney is not preaching a gospel. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about being the president and running the country. Now, I do believe Mormonism is a false gospel. I want to make that very clear. Mormonism preaches a false gospel. But if he's not our pastor and not our preacher, do you think he's still disqualified from being president of the United States?
6: Well,
2: what I think is going to happen, Jerry, is the answer is yes, because no matter how you slice it, he's going to have to pull from... Some belief pool somewhere, uh-huh. and his belief pool is that of the Mormons, and that's going to be uh-huh. what guides him. That's going to—he may never ever say anything, but just like we as Christians rely on the Lord for everything that we do, and we may not always say the Lord or we may not always say Jesus, that still precludes everything that we do. And so Mitt Romney is going to have to pull from a source that's greater than himself, and you and I both know that more than likely he's not going to be pulling from
5: Christ. It's not the real thing, that's for sure. Thanks so much, Kerry, for that call. Let's move on to Jake in San Angelo. Jake, who are you supporting and why? Are you there? Jake, I am here, and I think you're down in San Angelo at KCRN. Thanks for calling. What's your view?
3: Hey, Jerry, thanks. Uh, I wouldn't vote for uh, Romney for the same reason as your previous caller. Um, I just have a hard time dealing with that. Uh, and the other thing is, is that uh, I noticed that a lot of the conservative commentators, the radio commentators, like uh, Hannity and Rush and, and Glenn Beck, and all of them are kind of tearing uh, uh, Huckabee up. And uh, my my question for you is, um, it, you know, I'm kind of uh, there's social issues and domestic issues. I kind of uh, you can't have one. I can't say one is more important than the other. But if you if you discredit the family and homosexuality and uh, and, and, you know, uh, abortion and stuff. You can't have a moral country and yet keep it safe, you know, in a way. You know what I'm saying?
5: Yeah, Jake. Uh, my,
3: my, my question to you is, is that is it is it safe to say, well, it's all right uh, for me to support the candidate who is uh, not only along the same lines as, as me as a believer, but on social issues is right on with me, but maybe not on domestic issues, which is
6: more important, or,
3: I mean, I kind of view them, you can't have one... Yeah,
6: but... You'd like to have all, all of them.
5: Jake, you're fading candidate. out. You're fading out. We appreciate your call. We think we understand your question, but I'm going to ask you to listen to it on the radio because we're, we're losing your signal. Jake, I think this is the answer for me, and that is, to me, the life issue is the preeminent issue because the Declaration of Independence really does spell that out, that we are endowed by the Creator with a right to life, And I think without that right, how could you have any others? I mean, if you're not alive, how can you enjoy economic prosperity? Or how could you be concerned about, you know, Social Security or anything else? And so, to me, the life issue has to be right. And that's why we must have a pro-life candidate. But I think for the party, if we're talking about the Republican Party, it's even better to have a pro-lifer who's also an economic conservative and a military conservative because— That will broaden the base. There will be a coalition and not just a single issue, and that was the genius of the Reagan-Conservative Coalition, all three. But if you have to take one or sacrifice one, I say you've got to go with pro-life, and you cannot sacrifice that issue.
6: You know, uh, Mitt Romney, of course, went to Michigan as a turnaround artist. In a sense, he has turned some companies around. And that's really what he spoke about was the economy there, because that's the problem there. But it's very interesting, because he promised jobs, and he promised Money. And that is not a small government Reagan conservative message. I just watched this candidate uh, and I see him sort of morph his message for the audience, which is, you know, that's politics. But I think that's something for us to watch as we go down now to South Carolina, where, you know, he'll talk about the social issues. But you've got other candidates who have been talking about them all along. So it's very interesting.
5: Well, it is, and uh, to promise those people in Michigan something unique for them, that, I mean, that's the political thing right. to do, but that is not the consistent conservative. I don't think there's a, a thing the federal government can do to, to bail out one state in one industry. Well, we've got John on the line from Granbury. John, who are you supporting and why? I'm
2: supporting Mike Huckabee, and the reason is is because he is the only person that I have seen that is a born again Christian and he stands on those beliefs and he has, he he doesn't compromise. Every other candidate has compromises.
5: Well, thank you for that call, John. Uh, you are right on the pro life issue. Uh, Mike Huckabee has stood tall, and he speaks up and speaks out on that, and he's not afraid to talk about his faith in Jesus Christ. He's not embarrassed of having been a Baptist pastor. He never shirks when they bring that up, and they want to sort of shame him. Mm-hmm. How dare you enter politics? And so he's had a good, strong testimony. I think the real question is, can economic conservatives and military conservatives and immigration conservatives um, support him. And he's going to have to reach out to that component of the Republican Party if he's going to win the nomination. Now let's go to John McCain and uh, let's hear what he has to say about his performance and the road ahead.
3: I'm proud of my pro-life record of 24 years in the United States Congress.
5: Okay, so John McCain now getting ready for South Mm -hmm. Carolina. It's a different note than New Hampshire. It's a different note even than Michigan. He knows in South Carolina that Huckabee has the edge and um, and he's going to start talking again about moral values and that he is the pro-life candidate. But, of course, Dr. Dobson has expressed concerns, really, about McCain on marriage and McCain on embryonic stem cell research on this program, saying, look, he can't support McCain. Uh, we can't take any more callers, but we've got a couple holding on the line. Bob from Terrell. Bob, who are you supporting and why?
3: Well, I'm
2: supporting uh, Huckabee and... It's about time that uh the people start attacking
3: uh more- uh, uh Romney on his faith. I think they're not
5: attacking him because they're uh they know his money can uh, destroy them and uh it's about time they say uh Romney the Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was the brother of Satan. what's your uh, view on that and uh
2: also, they think that uh, you can uh, become better than God. What's your view on that?
5: All right, Bob, I think, uh, I think you've actually got a couple of questions there that uh, once they become front and center are a problem for uh, Romney. Uh, when you look into Mormon theology, and he didn't give a straight answer on this a couple of months ago when he was challenged, but when you really look at it, um, they do teach that uh, what God is today, you can become an even more that is your point, and that Jesus Christ and Satan are kind of half brothers, anyway. And most Americans find that really bizarre. Lance on the line from Rockwall. Lance, who are you supporting, and why? Uh,
3: Fred Thompson, just because I think he he's, he does bring that Reagan coalition together. And and I would challenge some of your uh, some of the other callers. I do believe Fred Thompson does claim to be a Christian, and I you know I know he's got a divorce, but there's a lot of Christians out there that have. So I don't I don't know if he would be disqualified. And I and I think I agree with you, Jerry, in that the, the people that are making the argument about uh, false teachers and being accursed towards Mitt Romney, I'm not sure that's the, the the proper context. And if we're going to go to that extent of applying that kind of context, would would Mike Huckabee uh, have his house in order based on some of the things that have happened with members of his own family in the law?
5: Okay, thank you so much, uh, Lance, for those insights. And we're going to keep talking about this, folks, uh, leading up to the election in November. But uh, coming up next, we have a movie about the role of faith in politics, faith and government. And uh, we've been talking about Mitt Romney. We've been talking about Fred Thompson and Mike Huckabee. And there's a whole group of people out there that think that there shouldn't be any discussion of religion. When it comes to uh, government and public policy. And we're going to talk about this new film that I think could change the way people are thinking.
1: Churches all over town, Christian radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket, on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One Nation Under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One Nation Under God. Dr. Richard Land, President of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility
2: to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves.
1: You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll hear if America's past is on track with America's future, one nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live now here's your host dr jerry johnson president of chriswell college and chriswell communications
3: the south is not a hotbed of religious or racial intolerance the fact that the senator is with us tonight is to concede that a religious issue does exist i believe that we have far more critical issues in the 1960 campaign but because i am a catholic the real issues in this campaign have been obscured i believe in an america where the separation of church and state is
0: absolute whatever we once were we are no longer a christian nation we are also a jewish nation and a muslim nation and a buddhist nation and a hindu nation and a nation of non-believers if we expelled every non-christian from the united states of america whose christianity would we teach in the schools who could be more perfect than Mitt romney He's got a great wife, he's got wonderful
3: children, wonderful things, he's got beautiful teeth. I mean, he's a great guy. But the problem is, he's following a false theology straight to hell.
0: If theology had been a test, we would
6: not have had Lincoln.
3: Religion and politics are combustible. Hinduism isn't what made us free. Hinduism is a lie from the pit of hell.
6: If all you ever knew about Christians was what you saw on
3: CNN, I'd hate me too. But while this year it may be a Catholic against whom the finger of suspicion is pointed... Another year it has been, and may someday be again, a Jew, or a Quaker, or a Unitarian, or a Baptist. Today I may be the victim, but tomorrow it may be you. Until the whole fabric of our harmonious society is ripped apart at a time of great national peril.
2: The office of President
3: of the United States. So So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God. So help me God.
6: What a pivotal time in history for this movie to come out. We are having this discussion in the public square in our presidential race. This is a clip from the trailer from the new film, Article 6. It's screening tomorrow night in Dallas. And in keeping with our God and country theme on KCBI and here at Jerry Johnson Live, we are going to talk about this movie and some of the issues that it brings up. And with us to do that is Reed Dickens. He is former White House assistant press secretary. He is president and CEO of Outside Eyes, the company that produces this film, Article 6. And, Reid, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you for having me.
6: Uh, We just played the trailer of this movie, and it really gives us uh, a view of This whole uh, debate right now, uh, it's very controversial whether or not religion should be part of our political discussion. Tell us about why this movie was made and what you're trying to convey here.
4: Well, it's interesting. Obviously, when we started out on this journey, we could have never uh, guessed we were going to be this fortunate in terms of timing uh, with the presidential candidates. It's perfect and with timing. Being such an issue uh, on, the, on the forefront of issues. Um, we st- we set out to try to capture the att- intensity of this debate. This this dialogue, this debate about the role of faith in our government and the political system in America has been going on for hundreds of years, but it has reached a peak level of intensity. And so we set out to one capture the intensity of this debate, uh, and two to try to improve the quality of the discourse, to try to improve the debate. There's a lot of uh, frankly, ignorant and uninformed arguments that are made from people on the right and the left. Uh, you've got people quoting the Bible, you know, when quoting the uh, Constitution when they think it's the Bible, and vice versa, mm-hmm. and uh, have a lot of emotional opinions about this. So we wanted to inform this debate about the role of faith in politics by adding some hist- historic context uh, and some historic perspective.
6: Who are some of the people involved in making this? Because I understand there's some names that uh, many of us who've been involved in conservative politics for years would know.
4: Well, along uh, with myself, uh, there's Hugh Hewitt is one of the producers uh, who is a conservative talk radio personality. Um, You have Mark DeMoss, who is a uh, a leading evangelical personality. Richard Land, who's the president of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, was very involved uh, in this and is promoting this for us. Um,
6: And this is is, out in major theaters?
4: uh, It will be coming out in theaters in early primary states. Right now, we are premiering uh, we are doing premieres and screenings in about 15 major cities, uh, including Dallas. Um, and so we'll be uh, screening it, having VIP screenings all over the country for the next three weeks. And then we're keeping an eye on how the primary unfolds to, to dis- make a final decision on what states it'll be in theaters.
5: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Reed Dickens. He is the producer of the film Article Six: Faith, Politics, and America. Reed, I've got a question for you. Uh, Will Herberg, years ago, wrote a book called Protestant Catholic Jew, and he talked about the Judeo-Christian worldview. And in essence, we had come to accept in America uh, Protestants, Catholics, and Jews in the political process, in the culture. And, of course, I think you can listen to Kennedy and those sound bites and see that that's really what happened when JFK was elected president, that people no longer... Uh, judged between a Protestant or a Catholic or a Jew being in the White House. But I have a question for you, and that's this. What about Islam and um, Sharia law? I mean, would you see a difference between a Muslim running for the White House? uh, Is the concept of Sharia law antithetical to Republican government or democracy?
4: Well, what's, what's interesting is, I mean, on a personal level, uh, I have been involved in two presidential campaigns. I was a national television spokesman on the '04 campaign for President Bush, and I can say from personal experience that at the core of our political system is voters wanting to vote based on gut values. For one hundred and fifty years, we thought people voted based on issues, but they really vote on, "Is this person like me?" Um, so it built into our system: is this for better or worse? Thought process that people are going to vote on someone like themselves. So, if racism was conquered tomorrow and uh, religious bigotry was thrown out the window, um, I'm still not sure how easy it would be for someone of Muslim faith or another minority faith to become elected president of the United States. Now, should they be disqualified from running? and should they be allowed to run, is really what Article 6 of the Constitution mm-hmm. gets at. And so in this documentary, uh, you, we t- kind of take you through the ir- somewhat ironic historic context where uh, a group of people running from the state church come here and set up a country uh, based on religious freedom, and then within a few years, their uh, governors are signing laws that it, to make it legal to exterminate Mormons. <laughs> so there's a lot of irony and, and as you sure. walk through this journey of our history uh, when you focus on Article 6 of the Constitution. So uh, I think it'll be. I think it's it's interesting as we move forward in this country um, because it is so socially unacceptable uh, to say that you wouldn't vote on a Muslim or a Mormon for religious reasons. But right. at the but at the core of our system our P is is a, is a voting block that is very uncomfortable with people that are not of like mind.
5: Can I pick up on something there that you've mentioned um, uh, that we vote for people who are like us. And uh, we heard a lot in Iowa about Huckabee and uh, an evangelical voting block uh, in the Republican primary, and he's about to go to South Carolina. Does this explain Huckabee's popularity in these kinds of states?
4: Absolutely. I mean, I think at the end of the day, there is, a, there is somewhat of a fear factor uh, when it comes to, uh, especially in the evangelical Christian voting base, when you're talking about someone that's not of, uh, of a similar orthodox vo- uh, doctrine or, or, or theology, um, so I think Huckabee, um number one, at a very um, human level, reminds people of somebody they work with, as opposed to the guy who fired them, as he said, um, so I think that's one thing he has going for them, uh, but also, yes, I think it helps him that people think, okay, this guy believes like I believe, and he happens to also be running for president. Um, so yeah, in certain states where you have an extremely high density of evangelical born-again Christians, uh, I definitely think he has a, that, that that helps him, and I think you saw that in Iowa, and I think you'll see him get a boost in South Carolina. The question is, as he moves out into the rest of the country where the density is not that high, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to uh, do people think he is electable in a general election.
6: Reed Dickens is with us. He's worked in the White House, and now he has been part of producing this movie, Article 6, and it's screening in Dallas tomorrow night for VIP folks. Uh, Reed, uh, let me ask you, because we've had people say, okay, a Mormon uh, running, Mormonism just excludes certain people from voting for that person. Is that appropriate? I know people are going to do what they want to, but is that a, an appropriate way for a Christian to look at a candidate? Well,
4: here's the thing. Here's what, here's what I say. I speak at churches all over the country, and here's what I say when I'm asked that question. My dad is one of the most, one of my spiritual heroes and theological heroes. He's a he's a, a blue-collar scholar and, and one of the people I would love to grow up and be like one day and have my kids be like, uh, but I would never vote on my dad for president. Uh, my pastor is one of my People I esteem the most, but I would never let him operate on my knee. Um, the reason why there 's a certain skill set required for that uh, President of the United States is a chief executive job there 's a three trillion dollar economy and budget uh, there 's thirteen cabinet agencies, two million government bureaucrats, a military, and you know dozens of countries. Um, so every day, I got to watch the President and shadowed this president and watch that it is very much a CEO job mm-hmm. so Mitt Romney. Um, has, I think the two criteria I always lay out for people is does this person have a value system that when it's translated to government policy, policy is similar to mine and number two um, does this person have the chief executive skills to run the country? I think everyone knows that Mitt Romney has the chief executive skills to So are you
6: saying Mormonism should not matter? What'd you say? Are you saying Mormonism should not matter? If
4: he was walking in off the street here's what I'm trying to get to and I hope I'm sorry it took so long. If he was walking in off the street I could understand someone being concerned. This guy's a Mormon and there's too many question marks about his doctrine. But the reality is, he's not walking in off the street. There's a track record of 15 years of being a CEO and six years of being a governor that people can look at and say, does this guy's Mormonism? How does it affect his decision making? And I think I, I don't. I'm not for any of the candidates. I don't really have a dog in the fight. But I can say for Mitt Romney, if you look at his governing record as governor of Massachusetts, not only did he not let his Mormonism affect his governing, uh, I think he spent most of his time, tick, you know, making the church, the Mormon Church, mad. So if you look at his policies, I think they translate. To a similar value Reed we got to go we're
5: out of time read Dickens the film article 6 be watching for it thanks so much Reed thank you guys all right when we come back we're going to talk about atheism Buddhism Hinduism and Islam connects really well you have questions we'll have the answers we'll be right back
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Crystal College and Crystal Communications. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. If we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the school?
5: All right, that's Barack Obama, and that's a soundbite from that movie, Article 6, we were just talking about. And uh, But that soundbite from Obama raises one interesting question, actually several interesting questions. Why do we have so many religions? Why do human beings seem to be hardwired to believe in God? And uh, we're going to talk about some of the other religions, atheism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. With our next guest, and it is Dr. Mel Lorenz. He is pastor of Elmbrook Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And Dr. Lorenz has written a book called I Want to Believe, Finding Your Way in an Age of Many Faiths. Welcome to the program, Dr. Lorenz.
7: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure.
5: All right, Mel, let me ask you this question. Um, why are there so many religions? Why do you believe human beings seem in every culture an age... Uh, every reg- region, uh, they seem to have this in common, th- this belief in God.
7: It's because we're made by God, and our link with our Creator in our very nature causes us to have a drive to find Him. Just, just like a child, if he or she feels lost, goes looking for a parent, um, we are created by God. And so, as has been said across the centuries, we're created with that God-shaped blank, And across the world and across the ages and across the cultures, people are trying to find their way to God, and it comes out in different ways, different religions all trying to scramble to find their way to their Creator.
5: All right, so uh, we have this in common, but you're right, there seem to be different answers to that common question. So here's, uh, I think, the follow-up question is, how do you evaluate the truth claims of the various religions how do you weigh one against the other
7: well you know that's um a very important question and when when i did a series of messages on this at our church uh, called i want to believe what i found is um believers wanting to know why are all of these different people in different cultures coming up with different answers to the to the same question And um, we can talk about that a little bit, but how you evaluate it is as you evaluate any source of authority in your life. If somebody says, um, there's this doctor who's a good heart surgeon, you ask around, you see if there's a consistent history. And the thing about Christian faith is that head and shoulders above anything else in history, it has brought out the best in human nature. Not that human beings haven't violated the standards of Christ, but it has changed the world. Um, other religions, um, you, you, you have to test what they say, whether they're consistent. And in fact, in some religions like Buddhism and, in, and Hinduism, there are a lot of internal inconsistencies. Buddhism, sometimes seeming to say that there is no God, sometimes seeming to say that there are many gods, and yes. you look for consistency.
6: Dr. Mel Lorenz is with us, and uh, his book is I Want to Believe, Finding Your Way in an Age of Many Faiths. And uh, what you do in this book is, is really talk about each one of these major world religions. But I guess the question that uh, somebody who was a seeker might want to ask you would be, on, in light of this, can there be or is there only one way to God?
7: You know, it's a really big question. And a couple of years ago, I asked my daughter, who was just starting college, what is the big spiritual question of your generation? And she said, everybody in my generation wants to know, isn't it a problem if you say there's only one way to God? And my kind of brief answer to that question is that when you look at Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, he is saying something and offering something that's exclusive, but not excluding. And there's a huge difference my daughter's generation is a little bit worried that if you say Christianity is right, that you are being mean-spirited to people of, you know, of other religions. But it really isn't. It is simply to say, I have found in Jesus Christ a true rescuer, someone who emerges through the smoke and the fire and has offered me a way out. And all I know is that what he says is true. And I'm not I'm not being mean to anybody else saying this exclusive thing has happened because my intent is not to be excluding.
6: So if someone reads your book and they see the similarities between all the religions and the evidences you show uh, for whether or not they're true, is that a good way for a spiritual seeker to uh, find out the truth or would the best way just be to study Christianity?
7: Well, I think that in our culture we have lost the fine art of conversation, generally speaking, and that's why I'm glad for uh, talk shows on the radio, but particularly good conversation about spiritual matters. I talk to people who come from other parts of the world, and they say, you know, it's no problem at all for a Muslim and a Christian in my country, let's say Turkey, to talk about what they believe, to have an agitated conversation about it, to learn from each other, and for the Christian to have a wide open door to talk about Christian faith. For some reason, we have bought the line in our culture that there are rules of politeness that exclude that. And so I think that we're going to start to see a new time, certainly in younger generations, where people are much more comfortable engaging each other in conversation, whether you're talking about similarities or dissimilarities. And uh, I wrote I Want to Believe in order to give people kind of some elementary lessons in what atheism and Buddhism and Hinduism and all these other religions teach.
5: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to the author of the book, I Want to Believe, Dr. Mel Lorenz. Uh, Mel, let me ask you this question. As a pastor, have you ever had anybody come to you that maybe grew up in a Christian family, experienced a Christian conversion? But um, as a teenager or young adult, they ask this question, I'm wondering if I would have grown up in India, would I be a Hindu right now? Or I'm wondering, if I would have grown up in Saudi Arabia, would I be a Muslim right now? Have you ever heard that question? And as a pastor, how would you answer that person?
7: I heard it two days ago. Wow. <laughs> my daughter talking about one of her friends in college right now raising that very question. And my daughter asked me, well, what do I say in response to her? And I, and I say, well... Of course, if you grow up in India, mathematically, chances are you're Hindu. If you grow up in Saudi Arabia, mathematically, chances are you're going to be Muslim in your upbringing. But that really has nothing to do with our true search for the true God. Um, Everybody in the world is looking for God, and whether it's a predominantly Hindu country or predominantly Muslim country or Buddhist country, there are still a lot of people there who have said, You know, this hasn't all come together for me, but I have heard about Jesus Christ. You know, in the case of many Muslim countries, stories of people having dreams and visions of Christ, and and they come to that. So I, I think that the fact that there are predominant religions in different cultures doesn't tell us anything about which religion is true and which is not.
5: Uh, Let me ask you another question, Mel. We've been talking a little bit about politics. You know, you mentioned uh, Europe and other countries. I mean, there seem to be two subjects you are not to talk about (laughs) in America, politics and religion. And, of course, politics has to do with how we're going to live this life, and religion has to do with how we're going to live this life and the life to come. Seems like the two most important things we could be talking about. But as we look at Islam, do you believe that Islam as a worldview... Um, and the concept of Sharia law, do you really believe that that is compatible with our American way of life and with the freedoms we enjoy? Is is Sharia law compatible with democracy?
7: Not, not at all. And I don't even know whether proponents of Sharia law would say that because it is an assertion that... Um, the dictates of Allah should be imposed on a given, on a given country, so you know we, we enjoy in this country um, the benefits and the challenges of pluralism that um, the freedom that we cherish that we fight for, that we die for means that um, nobody imposes one 's religion on anybody else, and um, we, we, we cherish that kind of, of freedom. One of the things about Islam, and I talk about this in the book is that at its very roots muhammad was at the very same time a political and a religious leader and so it should come as no surprise to people all these centuries later that there is this blending of political aims and religious aims um... in islam that comes across as um... extremely um... combative and contentious um... But, yeah, no, no, it is, not, it is not compatible with democracy.
5: And let me ask a follow-up question, because I don't think anyone would debate, really, the freedom of uh, people to embrace Islam uh, in America. We have religious liberty. But do you think it's a mistake when Christians who are in politics or out will say things like, this is a great religion or a holy religion or a peaceful religion <laughs> or a good religion? Do you think we, if we really believe Christianity and uh, understand it, and really understand the claims of Islam. Is that the right thing for believers to be saying?
7: Um, I don't think that it's wise for anybody holding political office to be making theological evaluations (laughs) as a part of their political office. It doesn't do anybody any good to say this religion is basically a good religion or a bad religion. I think they should just steer clear of it as long as they're in political office, do the job that they're called to there, and and let, let those kind of questions be something that people talk about in the normal course of things.
6: Mel Lorenz, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, the book is uh, Finding the Way in an Age of Many Faiths. And, uh, it's boy, lots of good information about all these major religions, and uh, you can weigh the evidence. Actually, the title of the book is I Want to Believe, Finding Your Way in an Age of Many Faiths. Thanks so much for being with us.
7: Thank you. I appreciate
5: it. All right, when we come back, we're going to tie some of this together, actually, with the presidential elections. And that is, what's the difference between a Mormon president, a Hindu president, and a Muslim president, and a Protestant, a Catholic, or a Jew? Let's talk about that when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Penned We'll be right back.
0: That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
3: I congratulate Mitt Romney. He won a great race. He worked hard. He, uh, of course, has a great base there. But our hats are off to
5: him for his victory there tonight. All right, that's Mike Huckabee. He's running for president of the United States. He's an evangelical, former Baptist pastor, former governor of Arkansas for over 10 years, pretty effective governor, won the Iowa primary, but lost in New Hampshire, lost in Michigan, and he's congratulating Mitt Romney, who happens to be a Mormon, and former governor of Massachusetts. Most people think that Huckabee, though, has a good chance of winning in South Carolina and regaining uh, some momentum. But, uh, Penna, we've been talking about this question of the role of religion in politics. And, uh, you know, I think most Americans know that social rule, don't bring up politics or religion.
6: And we violate it every day on this program. We do,
5: and I, I, I'm happy because I about that, because... Why wouldn't we talk about politics again? It has to do with the way we live our lives. Mm
6: -hmm. And the people who make decisions for us.
5: And why wouldn't we talk about religion? Because it's about this life and the life to come. And I can think of uh, no more important subjects than politics and religion Mm -hmm. and really how they interact. And so if people don't agree about the rule on politics and religion, they certainly say, oh, don't mix the two. Never mix the two. But I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about why they must be mixed. They must, it must be a proper mix. But again, you can't explain America without mixing the two. The Declaration of Independence, we go back to this again and again, the birth certificate for the United States, and essentially the Founders said, this is a self-evident truth, that God has created all men equal and endowed them with certain inalienable rights the right to life, the right to liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And really, the document goes on to say it's the government's job to make sure that these rights are not violated. That is the proper role of government, to protect those God-given rights. That is, the government doesn't give these rights, but the government is there to protect you from anyone else who might take those rights away. And when government stops doing that job, it's illegitimate government, And that was the claim that the Founders made against the British. They were not protecting the right to life, the right to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And therefore, uh, you have the Constitution, though, which um, can only follow from the Declaration. The Declaration is prior to, uh, not only chronologically, but logically. You must have the Declaration before you can have a Constitution. And that flows from the Creator and those rights, which we get From being created in his image and here's the question really I mentioned this book Protestant Catholic Jew earlier and the John F Kennedy run and uh, everybody's going back to this to talk about Obama and I think we have to say as a matter of full disclosure that film article 6 um, Mr. Reed mentioned that Hugh Hewitt and Mark DeMoss are helping with this film and these are ardent Romney supporters and apologists and Romney is a Mormon. And I thought Mr. Reed also was a fairly good apologist for <laughs> Mitt Romney. And uh, I think we want to ask is there something about Mormonism that should uh, cause us to, to be cautious and, uh, and to think twice? Because uh, let's take some more extreme cases, Penna. Um, what about Hinduism? What about Islam? What about atheism? And uh, these are religions or worldviews, which I find totally incompatible with the American way of life and the freedoms we enjoy. I mean, Islam, there's no room for freedom of speech, no room for freedom of religion. The irony is, if the Christian worldview prevails, there's total freedom for the Muslim to pray and to sing and to do his thing in America. But turn it around. But turn it around. If the Muslim worldview prevails, if we have Sharia law, you're not free to speak the name of Jesus in America. Uh, We've seen this with atheism. We've seen a hundred years almost of atheism in Russia and China. And uh, with that worldview in the main, Christians do not have freedom. On the other hand, when Christianity... The Judeo-Christian worldview informs government and culture. Uh, there's freedom for atheists to spout what uh, they believe or don't believe. And so Christian, Christianity, the Judeo-Christian worldview, provides that foundation of freedom, freedoms not only for all kinds of Christians and Jews, but uh, for the other religions as well.
6: Can I throw something else in? Uh, Because when we talk about our Constitution, and though it's not a biblical document or a religious document, it assumes, as you said, that man is made in the image of God. But it assumes something else, and that is that man has a sinful nature. And that has to be assumed. It's not assumed by some of these other belief systems like atheism, for instance, uh, or Buddhism. That's right. Uh, And so that is what makes it different, because government is necessary to deal with that sin nature. That's right. And, of course, in
5: Hinduism, you've got the whole idea of reincarnation and karma, and if people are down and out, they more or less deserve it from a past life. There's no incentive to go down and help those people like Mother Teresa did, operating from a Christian worldview. She really was a shining light in that dark culture. Well... Uh, What do we say about Mormonism? Uh, Is it in the Protestant Catholic Jew tradition? Uh, Dr. Landis said he's called this the fourth Abrahamic religion. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. We're going to ask him about that when he comes to town. Or is it along the lines of atheism, Hinduism, and Islam? That's really the question. Uh, And we want to look more at the eschatology of Mormonism. That is, the Mormon concept of the future. Uh, Do Mormons envision an ultimate Mormon republic in America. In fact, they do. That is part of their eschatological expectation that there will be a Mormon republic in America. Joseph Smith ran for president of the United States. Uh, they expect, as, as Christians talk about a millennium and a rule and reign from Jerusalem of Jesus Christ, Mormons envision a, a rule and reign from Missouri. That's strange. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that is an eschatological expectation that they have, and how does that fit? And is Romney willing to say, "Look, I don't believe that," and and um, I I do not affirm that. Um, we're going to continue to explore this here on Jerry Johnson Live, and uh, we want you to be a part of that discussion. Well, I want to let you know that next week is going to be exciting. This week, uh, a lot of big guests coming up. We've got Senator Jim Dement. We've got Bill Dimsky, one of the intelligent design experts in America. Uh, Broncos kicker Jason Elam will be with us. And of course next week Dr. Richard Land will be on the line. And then tomorrow I need to let you know that Howard Dayton and Dr. Robert Jeffries are going to be on the morning show in case you to talk about finances and debt and um, how to get your finances Very in order. Very practical. We've got a lot going on. I want to read a verse though Uh, that shows why politics and religion do mix. And it's Proverbs 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. So if we have leaders that are wicked and unrighteous, uh, it's going to be bad for America and for Americans and for you and your family. When we have a righteous leader in authority... We're going to have those good times. That's what the Bible says. And uh, we believe the Bible. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn at Criswell College. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.